We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 372. We waited. Uh, Broom gave no information at his press conference on Wednesday. We thought we were going to get all the juicy nuggets then. He gave it on Thursday morning, so we waited to record. I am so friggin' ready for these games to start. Scott, the last two years, we've had the, the wildcard games to attend or to go to or to watch. So it's like you don't. There's no pause. The season ends and you're immediately on edge. You've got your wild card game. It's do or die. Your heart rate is at a thousand. Let's go. And then the Yankees have advanced the last two years. This year, these have been the four longest days of my life, it seems, where nothing has happened as far as the Yankees go. Yeah, I'm glad. First of all, we did wait because we were looking for pitching matchups, obviously, number one. And then two, we were looking for uh, for the rosters. And he still hasn't given that up yet, but... Got some information. We got enough. There's, to go there's on some here. speculation. I think, I think for we know sure that up. I think we can kind of read between the lines on certain things. But yeah, no, it's been a long four days. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'm glad we've had these four days because the other option would be stressing out over a one game playoff play in game, however you want to look at it. And when you see how these games went down, you know the Oakland game wasn't much drama, but the the, uh, the Nationals and Brewers was just a freaking nail biter, man. And like. The people and the fans are stressing out, 
everybody's stressing out. You feel bad for people. You feel happy for people. There's so many emotions. Don't feel bad. Like there's just a lot of things that go on when you're when you're looking at that. Like a kid in right field who's a rookie doesn't make an error all year and then blows the game. That sucks. But at the same time, you're yeah, looking at especially because it should have been Christian Yelich, right? There. And you're looking at what happened. Uh, it's just uh, it's it's kind of a crazy turn of events, especially with the fact that Harper leaves Nationals finally advance. I love the narrative, even oh, though yeah. even though it's, it probably awesome. means nothing. Uh, and there's it's all all overblown. It still is great optics. I was rooting for the Nationals because of that reason that Harper storyline, and it's the the Nationals have been. Uh, chokers for like the last 10 years or whatever but i also then realized like they could be dangerous with that three three-man rotation that they've got uh on those three guys i don't know if they can upset the dodgers we're not really worried about the national league at this point not even necessarily worried about the american league the other we're series about the minnesota twins. tampa worried about the minnesota twins which is what we're going to talk about but Lot of housekeeping items to get to. They're all they're all good housekeeping items. So don't press that skip button on your podcast. You out there I'm talking to you, Brian. Brian's like, oh shit, it's random ass Brian. All right, first thing we're announcing: we have joined a new podcast network. We're very excited about it. It's called Blue Wire Podcast Network. Go check it out. Google that shit. They have a ton of podcasts on their network. They are growing. They are um, sort of like. Bronx pinstripes in a sense where it's a little bit of a, a startup environment where we're trying to grow something, a lot of people contributing. So talking to the guys at blue wire, that sort of got us excited and we're very excited about partnering with them going forward. Absolutely. You kind of hit it on the head that that startup vibe that they have going on. They've, uh, they've been around, you know, for about a year I'd say, but they've gotten a lot of momentum. They picked up, they picked up a ton of, of sports podcasts. Um, we are one of their first, if not their first, baseball podcast. So we're very excited about that and uh, and, and helping them grow out the uh, the baseball content um, for the network. But they they do they have a lot of uh, they have some really good really good shows uh, in basketball, baseball, all general football. sports, football, um, and, and they're even getting into esports and such too. So definitely go check them out, Blue Wire Pods. Um, we'll put up a post on our social media accounts too, so you can kind of check them out and see what they're doing. But we're excited to do that because it's it's expanding our network. It's giving us you know some uh, some other contacts in other places, which is a good thing. It only help us out, I think, a little bit more too. And 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 like you said, like that startup vibe. It's that's that's kind of what we've had at uh, at Bronx Pinstripes with this whole. You know, I, I've always kind of referred it to like an open sourced type of project. And I think when you have that many people, you know, contributing and doing certain jobs that are that are strengths to them and you're you're kind of like getting the best of of um a bunch of different individuals it's a fun vibe it's a fun uh thing when you start doing stuff and uh you know and putting content out and putting out for us for like yeah. events and things like that there's a lot of people contributing behind the scenes i know people listen to the show and it's just you and me it's crazy when so i'll talk to friends or whatever and for, I mean, for a long time bronx bronx pinstripes was a website that people would write on occasionally, and it was you and me doing the podcast. And then over the last really two years, it has grown where there's like 50 people involved. And I don't think people realize that, that even though they might not be a face on the podcast or, um, you know, a face or, or one of the, the main writers writing multiple times a week, there's people doing different things on the back end, whether it's uh, video editing audio editing, social media posts. Like it is a lot of different people. We all have one thing in common. 
we fucking love the Yankees. <laughs> like, like that is what is in common yep. with all of us. No, it's just true. And it's uh, there's a ton of people behind the scenes that are that are doing these things too. Um, and this our whole the whole kind of machine of what it what it is with uh, the fan shop, the events, all the um, the podcasts, the videos, the the editorial, pretty much everything, um, graphics, like all of that stuff. Different people with hands on, and it's awesome. So. Um, yeah, that's just it's a, a big shout out to them as well while we're doing this. But yeah, we're doing this is going to be an hour and a half long of <laughs> shout outs. But no, we're very excited about the Blue Wire announcement. Like I said, Google them if you're interested in some other some of their other sports or or, or whatever podcasts. Um, Sonny Gray. Oh my so God, this, he, won't go made a vow, he won't go away. We made a vow not to mention Sonny Gray anymore on this show. And we were not going to, but I can't deny this. I'm looking at a picture right now. This. This is hilarious. I'm looking at a picture right now of Sonny Gray with that ear-to-ear grin that we've seen him have walking off the mound at Yankee Stadium after getting bombarded Same yet grin. again. Same grin. Shit-eating grin on Sonny Gray's off. face when he walked off the Yankee Stadium mound after giving up like seven runs in two innings. He, he is smiling, holding up a note on a check. On a, on like says, a restaurant check. What does that say, Scott? I want you to read it. I don't have it in front of me, actually. I have to look at. I, okay, I know, what it, it. I know it says, what it says, though. Scott, it's it's a it's a letter. I am we'll your put daddy. It, it says, Scott, I am your daddy. Love, and it's heart. It's a little heart that he drew, comma, Sunny Gray, and signed it. And this came Hilarious. from this came from um, our guy Adam, who is down in Nashville, part of the Nashville crew, and uh, works at a bar, works at a restaurant, and who comes in the door? Sunny freaking Gray, and of course Adam. <laughs> I'm glad he did it. I really am. I'm glad he did it. I'm glad this picture just kind of gets me on Sonny Gray's side because like he's able to. I wonder what the context was. Like if Adam explained like, oh, hey, like I listened to this Yankees podcast and one of the hosts hates you because you suck. And I want you to sign this saying I'm your daddy. And he did it. Like, I wonder if that was the so one of the um, one of the things that Adam was saying is that he asked him. He's like, hey, you look familiar. Or do you play in the, the Woodbat League here? Like he was just I think he's kind of. Oh, I didn't downplay that. Uh, I don't know if you recognize oh, he him or if he was just doing that in jest. I hope he was doing it just to mock him a little bit. That would make me feel better. But um, <laughs> hey, are you in the minor? But, uh, but yeah, Sonny Gray signed it, took a picture with him. We'll put out the picture. It's it's pretty good. I mean, I can't deny how, how good it is. Uh, but yeah, that's a good burn. That's so a good it's going to be uh, it's going to be up there with uh, when I when I fulfill my bet next year for uh, my arch nemesis Carl when I uh, shotgun a beer and declare Sonny Gray my daddy. Adam is now going to frame this picture. That he got taken with Sonny Gray, literally writing and signing it, that he's my dad. You should get print a T-shirt with that picture of him smiling and have to wear that T-shirt. No, I don't like that. I'm just going to hold the frame. Adam, if you uh, <laughs> print that T-shirt, I will make Scott wear it. Um, but yeah, no, it was pretty good. I mean, I can't deny that. You know, I, I appreciate it. It's, I think yeah. it's one of those things where you, you got to laugh at it, right? Even though Sonny Gray is a soft, candy-ass little bitch... And could not hack it in New York, and that's that's the reason he's ear to ear right now because he's lost, uh, you know, hiding in Cincinnati and now back in Nashville. And what are we doing? We're in the playoffs, and he he's not a playoff guy. So we're in the playoffs, and we're, we've got four hundred. And I'm done talking. I'm done talking about the, him. To the ALDS, all those tickets have been transferred. You guys should have those tickets in your account. Um, I've had uh, one or two people email me about just the ticket process because I think we've. You know, not everyone has been uh, been to events or whatever. So um, it is 
just accept the tickets. You will get your ticket, e-ticket. If you're having issues, you know, you can obviously uh, shoot us a, a DM or an email and, and we'll help. But it's going to be friggin' awesome. It's going to be a little chilly on Saturday. Um, so here's what I'm saying. You're shaking your head like, oh, you're being yeah, a you're bitch. Yeah, you're soft. You're, you well, complain when it's hot. The thing is, I don't cold. want people... I don't want people to put sweatshirts and jackets over these t-shirts because we want to be a sea of white right. in right field. So put a sweatshirt on and then put the t-shirt over it. Who cares if it looks stupid? We're all going to be doing that. I'm going to be doing that. I have a fleece I'm going to be wearing underneath with my t-shirt over and we're going to be a sea of white. You're going to be doing that. And if you're not doing that, I'm going to make you friggin' do that. So just do it. <laughs> Wear the white shirts if you're not. And that's the thing we've said. The, the, if it's a little chilly and, uh, and and you need some warmth, put something on underneath it. If you're wearing a jersey, make sure it's a home jersey and it's white. Bottom line, wear white. And if it's the t-shirt, then outstanding. You should be wearing it. I spent a lot of goddamn time typing those stupid names in the, uh, on, the, on the pinstripes. And it really pisses me off that Jake Barrett has three T's in it. I didn't see that. We looked at it like 50 times, but it does. And, uh, Wait. and that's the only, that's, that's the only the, error that anybody's come up with so far on that design. Wait, hold on. How does he spell Two his name? at the end. Barrett. You said three Because I have three T's I was like, in it. That's why. In the design. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, oh. Well, why the hell would someone spell their name with three T's? You're not understanding what I'm saying. It was an error. It was a typo. Okay. It was the one typo in a very matrix <laughs> look of, it, you know, you go blind looking at it for long enough. So that's what oh, happened. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. But no, wear the shirts. It's going to be awesome. Sea of white in right field. You're going to get another email from us uh, very soon. Just confirming all the tickets uh, that have gone out. And um, yeah, I I'm pumped up for it. The other thing quickly, last thing is watch parties. If you guys are not in the New York area, we got a ton of things happening across the country uh, with the, the playoff games. So I'm going to whip through these really quick, but we're also going to, we, they're already on Twitter right now. So you can go reference Twitter on Aperonx pinstripes and see it there. Um, and I think Colleen's going to put up a blog about it as well. So, you know, but Friday night, game one, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Austin, DC, Salt Lake city, all you got, all they, uh, all those guys are having a watch party. Go check out, um, where they're going to be Saturday. Game two is Denver, uh, Austin, Coral Springs, Florida, Go check them out. All of these guys are having watch parties for game two on Saturday. Then Monday, we're, we're only going to tell you the, the games uh, uh, up until Monday. Game three is uh, Phillies having one at the Fieldhouse. Baltimore at uh, Don't Know Tavern. And Jersey is having one at Arugas in East Brunswick. That's it. Go Sweet. check it out. Uh, all of that information is on our Twitter and will be up on the website. So... <clears throat> I've Games uh, one and two times have been yes. announced. 7 o'clock Friday, 5 p.m. on Saturday. Those are beautiful times. Love it. Um, we got lucky with that. We game, got lucky with that. Game three is probably going to be the 8 p.m. game, I'm guessing, because I think they were waiting on the American League wild card, the other wild card game. Uh, and now that the game three for that series will be in Tampa, I can't picture them putting the, the Astros – raise over the Yankees because the Yankees are the biggest market, despite the fact that the Astros have the, uh, the number. Well, I think the Astros so, also give some flexibility because they're in a different, just and they're, they're in a different time zone. So, well, no, so is Minnesota, Minnesota central time. That's zone a good as point. Well. I, I, I have to ask but if you, it, I have if to had ask it you been, pretty much when we play somebody on the road, you thought Toronto yeah, yeah, was I'm like, central. I, I literally have to ask you every single time if, if they're in the, but had they been playing Oakland, that would have been the night game. Oakland right. would have been the late game because of Correct. the West coast. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, 
we've got the pitching matchup, not pitching matchups, the Yankees lined up their rotation, Paxton game one, Tanaka two, Severino three. That was announced in Boone's press conference on Thursday. He also said he didn't officially announce the roster. Uh, they have till 10 a.m. Friday to do that. And they're going to take their sweet ass time, apparently. I don't know if this is strategy or if I think they're just trying to make sure Encarnacion is 100 percent. Yeah, um, they say he's 100 percent. But why why put him on the roster and then have him wake up Friday morning with a tight oblique? And it's like, OK, now we got to make a change. And, and that's a problem. So too, I think they're waiting on that series. If you if you leave with an injury, you have to sit out the, the following series. So he would be lost for the remainder of this series and then the uh, the ALCS if, if they were to advance as well. So that's a big decision. Yeah, they're waiting on that, and they're waiting on well, they're Sabathia is not on the right. roster. He uh, Boone sort of slipped in. Oh, he's been dealing with a shoulder issue, and his shoulder's not bouncing back. Maybe that's the case, but I think it's they don't want to do CC dirty. The fact of the matter is Sabathia is not good enough now to give them value out of the bullpen in in whatever role they want because they're not going to trust him in like a key situation to get an out there's just not he's down the pecking order so if he's not going to come in and be like a nasty lefty out of the bullpen and he can't go five innings in extra innings in a, in a hypothetical scenario then he doesn't have value and that's what we kind of said and instead of saying that i think they're saying you know what he's not healthy and sabathia can keep his chin high he's probably even going to joke about it and he's going to be in the dugout with a fat lip in screaming his ass off and you know what that is beautiful that is his value look you know it doesn't matter what the situation is the the bottom line is is that cc you know very well could have an injury he's beat up he's an old man he's been through an entire season and he's had multiple shots they they've they've really tried to basically it's like weekend at bernie's man they've tried to get him like getting to the end the finish line and um and they got damn close and like you said he's just he's just not as competitive he's not He's not as competitive for, for CC to be right. And for CC to, to work effectively, he's got to be away from the middle of the plate and he's got to be around the, uh, around the, um, the edges of the plate. And for that reason, he's going to walk guys. And when you're coming in relief for a, uh, you know, a, a tight situation, that type of strategy just doesn't work. So, you know, he, if he's off by just a little bit, he's going to be very hittable. And they, I don't think they could risk that. So, um, it, it it, it's not. I'm surprised to. I'm surprised that they didn't. Only because um, I just. I, I really thought he was going to be like that last guy on. Because who other? Who's the other last guy on? But uh, but at the same time, I, I. You know, if it's if it's some kind of an injury as well as as the the type of. Um, you know, there's there's other guys that can that can throw out of the left like a Stephen Tarpley or a CC Sabathia. That's 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 a decision that could possibly be made. And honestly, like I thought Boone might go CC because of who he is. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I think Sabathia realizes at this point what he is and what he isn't. So I'm, I'm, I, I don't think he's under any oh, I don't uh, think he is delusions that, that so, so it's fine. And, and uh, as you said, all oh, the walk stuff. Yeah, especially against a Minnesota tw- team who hit 307 home it's runs not a good in the regular matchup. season. So you're going to be facing a team that has hit the most home runs in major league history. The Yankees finished one behind them. They're a home run hitting team. If you're going to give up home runs to them, 
you better hope they're solo shots and not two and three right. run home runs, which Sabathia could be in danger of. So he's not on the roster, and I'm totally fine with it. They're still deciding 12 or 13 pitchers, and that will affect if they carry both Voigt and Ford. Yes. Because um, there's not really a place for both. Well, we talked about that. Well, the Encarnacion, making sure that he's healthy. That's the reason why I think they have to wait till the Boone. Boone seemed pretty confident. Oh, they've already today. been talking. Encarnacion's already been talking about how he feels totally good. The the um, the oblique is not a concern right now. He feels like he's taking 100% swings. So when you talk to the player and you talk to everybody around it, he sounds like he's good. Uh, I think Boone is just being extra cautious because. They want to make sure, make damn sure, one more, one night of sleep, and he sleeps on it weird that it doesn't happen because it, right, that's yeah, what I just it's said. a major implication because he is the other guy that's going to take up that, that DH slash first base spot. He's your starting DH, your three, four, or five hitter. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Well, and, and it, 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 it's a log jam. There's a log jam over there. And when you look at redundancies, you can't have too many of them that don't give you flexibility in the roster. You look at guys like Wade. Yeah. Uh, and Mabin, there's flexibility there. Mabin can play different positions. Um, Wade can play 100 different positions. You look at Luke Voigt, he can play one position and then DH. You look at Mike Ford. He doesn't even play that position And, and well. Mike Ford <laughs> can DH and play first base. And Cardacion, DH, first base. So you have three guys there. Uh, Mike Ford can Mike pitch. Mike Ford can pitch, that's right. And he's played a little outfield in the past. But, um, you know, I... Mike Ford is the new Shohei Otani. He's a two-way this is player. True. This is true. And I, I just gives you more flexibility. So I think when... You're, 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 you know, we're, we're waiting for him. I understand the wait. I, I, I do understand it, but I think the writing's on the wall here. So the Yankees and Twins this year played six games. The Yankees won four out of uh, six. The average score of those six games was seven to six. And we all remember the ridiculous Minnesota series uh, at Minnesota when it seemed like every game was 15 to 14 and a thousand home runs were hit. There might be one or two games like that in, in this series, but. There's always going to be a playoff game where pitching is on, hitters aren't hitting. It's usually one of the first two games, too, when both of these teams have been sitting for four days, so some of the hitters might be a little rusty. So people are saying, oh, this is going to be a high-scoring series. The Yankees are going to have to outslug them. I really see it coming down to timely timely hitting and timely bullpen pitching. Um. So I, I think both of those are obviously very important in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think that this is the, the one crazy thing that we're looking at now, the way that the, um, and the, the, the pitching matchup with Paxton, Tanaka, then Severino, uh, this, this plays into what I'm about to say. Um, I think it's, I think there's a, there's a significant edge here for the Yankees for starting pitching. If these guys can, can go out there and, and, and pitch, we know what Paxton's been. He's been a dominant guy for the second half. Um, Tanaka, we'll get into to the reasons why and why we think they're, but I mean, when you look at what he is at home, there's, there's a better split as, as far as this year, not, not long term, but more of a, he's a, a split this year. A, his numbers are twice as good at home than they are in on 2019, the or however you yeah. want to look at it in 2019, his splits are drastic. That's certainly a factor. It'd be stupid to say it's not but i think that the yankees have decision. a significant edge and if these starting pitchers can come out and be the semblance of what they've been over the past month i think that there's there's a you know we're talking about bats getting quiet like that's the the i think the minnesota twins are going to have to hit these home runs if they're going to win this this series the timely hitting and all that i don't think that's going to be as much i think they got to mash the ball i think they got to have these high scoring games because i do believe if there's a low scoring game um, the edge to the pitching is is on the Yankee side, 
And when you're looking at the numbers that the Yankees have put up this year with runners in scoring position and getting those timely hits like you're talking about, it's a different animal than we were last year and the year before that and the year before that. Like, this team can do that. So I think the edge then goes to the Yankees. Unless it's a mash fest and the last home run wins the game, that's when I think you're – that's what I think the Twins want. I think the Twins want a slugfest. Well, the Twins are also – the best road team in baseball this year. They have a 55 and 26 record, 679 win percentage with a plus 137 run differential. They were actually a better road team than they were home team. I didn't watch enough Twins games to know why that the home is. Run ball. They hit home runs, but they hit home runs everywhere. They hit home runs at home, they hit home runs right. on the road. But it plays um, on the road when you go other places and you're still hitting that home run ball, that gives you an advantage. You're you're out home running. If you're out hitting the in home runs, the other the opponent, then you're going to win a lot of games. But I'm saying they're hitting them on the road too. They're I not saw, just using um, a home field advantage for home runs. They're they're doing it everywhere. So last night on the wild card broadcast on the AL wild card, ESPN did the two broadcasts: the A Rod one and then the yeah. Nerd one. And I was watching the Statcast that's, that's broadcast, shocking. and it it was actually good. So good in the sense from the content they were putting out. I, I was not crazy about the the three announcers and and Petriello, who has actually been on our show before. I still don't know if that's the best place for him. Regardless, that's his second time. There doing was, it, I think. yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know, I, and I think they probably need more time to get comfortable. But there was a you graphic that he camera, tweeted out. Gotta, they gotta get some time. They're usually behind the scenes. That, there was a graphic he tweeted out of during the game or before the game. The, the, the point of the graphic was to say that home runs. The team that hits more home runs in the playoffs wins the game. <laughs> and the nerds kind of lost me on that one because no shit. Like, oh, you're, you're going to tell me that the team that scores more runs is going to win? Okay, But that's thank not you. what they're saying. Home runs score but, runs. But, but you, you mentioned timely hitting. And there's a difference when you're talking about the home run ball and, and that's just coming in excess or – what I think a lot of people, re- what I think a lot of people think about when they think of playoffs, they think of tight games, big hits, tight situations, uh, end of the game, uh, a big base hit, scores a run. Those are the types of situations you think of also when playoffs. Not these big home run, you know, mashing games. Except sure. for the, uh, but the also Dodgers, you know, World Series. Like that's the that's an right. aberration. Of course, that's an aberration. Uh, seven of the top eight home run hitting teams in baseball this year made the playoffs. And the only one that didn't is the Cubs, who barely missed the playoffs. But the point, I think, another point of the graphic was to show that actually a, a takeaway of the graphic is that a higher percentage of runs are scored via the home run in the postseason than they are in the regular season. So, and I believe the data was from 2017. So the last two postseasons, home runs have been more important than they were in the regular season. Because teams are not getting as many hits. Okay. Right? So they're scoring more, the more, the more, uh, they're scoring more by the home run than they are not by the home run. <laughs> I think that that's baseball now, though. Like, that's, that's just the trajectory it's of baseball, what it is Susan. today and the strategy so, but, of, but of I, things. And I tie and, it. And guys not running as much in the playoffs and, and making sure that, they're, um, that their home run hitters have an opportunity to, you know, get the pitch that they want. So, Look, I, th- I think it's still it's a it's a micro it's a micro analysis of what's the, the the bigger macro version of baseball. It's all launch angle and home runs, like that's it. But when you look at some of the the, the past more recent World Series champions, I mean, look what happened with the Red Sox last year. They did not hit as many home runs, but.
but they also had very timely hitting. They also could hit with runners in scoring position. These, these were uh, situationally very good teams. And I still think that, you know, if you're looking at data from overall playoff numbers, then yeah, we're probably going to look and it's going to trend at the home runs. But you better damn well be able to hit with runners in scoring position and take advantage of situations. Because if you don't, then uh, I don't see you moving on. I still think it's a key part of the playoffs. The Yankees have been were better at it this year than they were last year. A ton better. I, I don't remember the exact number, but I gave the Yankees in high leverage situations, I believe, had the second best WRC plus of any team in baseball. I think the Astros were second, or it was flipped. But just from an overall offensive standpoint, the, the Twins and the Yankees rank um, second and third in offense. The Yankees are second with a 117 WRC plus. The Twins are 116. It's essentially the same. The Astros are 125. Like I said, 307 home runs for the Twins, 5.8 runs per game, which is second behind the Yankees, who scored four more total runs than them this year. These offenses are neck and neck, and I think people are overlooking the Twins, or if they are overlooking the Twins, it's because they think of the Minnesota Twins of the mid-2000s, which the Yankees absolutely dominated in the playoffs. I had a number in here. The Yankees... Since 2003, 15 of the Twins' last 18 postseason games have been played against the Yankees. So they've just always been getting dominated by the Yankees. The most recent one is the 2017 wildcard game, where even when they had a lead early, it lasted for two seconds, and the Yankees were right back in their face. But this isn't the same Twins team. It's a different manager. It's a different set of players. It's the same laundry. That's it. So do the laundry does the laundry and those demons and those I'm sure their fans are shitting their pants because they, they see the new Yankees ballpark. and say we've they never ballpark we've never beat these guys. The Yankees beat them though at that at that new ballpark yeah. twice. But I'm I'm saying they're so feeling good. Once or twice in the playoffs. I think it was once. I think 2010 or 11. I remember a Mark Teixeira home run. That was key. Anyway. These are not the same old shitty twins is what I'm trying to say. They're not the Yankees, I still think, are going to win the series. I think the Yankees are the better team. But these are not the same crappy twins. No, because these twins can – they have a, a bunch of veteran players as well that have been in situations that are uh, you know more high leverage. You look at Nelson Cruz. Like, that guy just mashes. I've talked about him. Him and Encarnacion. I will always be yeah. afraid when Nelson Cruz steps yep, to the plate. Absolutely. Um, you look at uh, you know some of these other guys that have been uh, you know up and down. Uh, Jonathan – Kepler had a breakout year, yep. 36 home runs with a 121 Scope's WRC been in the plus. playoffs before Jorge. in high-leverage situations when he was with the Orioles. Yes, and um, Jorge Polanco has been one of the best shortstops in the league this year. Miguel Sano seems healthy this year. He killed the Yankees in that twin series at Minnesota. He's, he can hit the ball 1,000 fa- a a feet. He's, yeah. he's a monster. Jake Cave. Remember Jake Cave? Oh, I remember Jake Cave. Hampton, uh, Hampton, Virginia, Jake Cave. I remember him. 113 WRC plus in 72 games this year. Yeah. It's a good player. He's a good player. He was, you know, he was along the lines with all those uh those those solid Yankee outfielders uh that were hanging out in Triple Ben Triple Gamble and um who made the last out for He hit that ball hard. The uh for the uh, what's it called? Brewers. Brewers. Look, they're they're a dangerous team and that's the thing. You cannot you cannot expect the same type of Twins team at some point. Uh, something's going to give. That's the only thing that makes me nervous about this is the do factor. Uh, but at the same time, I do think the Yankees are a much better team overall. And uh, I, I 
I don't think they're a I much do. better team. I think they're I, a better team. I think team. The, the, the edge of pitching recently is is with the Yankees. And when we're looking at what that, that starting pitching can be, I think the Yankees have a hell of a lot higher ceiling with starting pitching. Well, um, okay, but look at the numbers. for The, the Twins are going to start uh, Jose Barrios and Jake Odorizzi in the first two games. We don't know which one's going to start which. But this year, Barrios has a 368 ERA and a 385 FIP. And his home road splits are basically even. He's a good, He's a good pitcher. pitcher. Joe, Jake Odorizzi has a 351 ERA and a 336 FIP. That's really good. And he's allowed less than a home run per nine innings. He started twice against the Yankees this year, and they were complete polar opposites. The first time he pitched against them, May 4th, was six innings, two hits, zero runs. The second time was July 24th, four innings, ten hits, nine earned runs. Yeah, which so which so you want to split the difference? Split the difference. Fine. Which guy are we getting? The second the, time around. But you say the Yankees, the Yankees have the edge in pitching because of what you've seen yes. lately. But the, the Twins pitchers have also been pitching well lately. Berrios had a bad month of August, but he had a good month of September. And he had a, he's had a good season overall. And there's rumors that Randy Dobnak, a rookie who's pitched only 28 innings, is going to start Game 3 for the Twins. 28 innings, that's not much of a sample to go on, but he has a 159 ERA and a 290 FIP. Those are good numbers, even though they're only 29 innings. And you know what? That's a ballsy move if they start him in Game Three. That's one of those moves. Well, it, it, yeah, I, I'm. I'd be surprised if they didn't go with a guy like Kyle Gibson if they were down 0-2 at that point. Gibson's there. Um, Martin Perez is there. Veteran guys who don't have good numbers. Yes, yeah. uh, Gibson is like one of those it, similar to Odorizzi, I think, where you get a blow up outing potentially, then you get a good outing, and where is he somewhere in the middle? But he's a guy that can get some some length. But again, I'm not scared of him by any means. The young kid, that's that is ballsy, but it's also like uh, that's that's one of those uh, those movies. You're like, okay, that I kind of don't want to see that happen because I feel like that kid could catch lightning in a bottle. You never know. And when when you have a, a talented kid uh, that is uh, you know super cocky, has had good numbers, and just come in, there's a potential there to uh, for for things to go bad. That's a storyline. That's that could be a swing line yeah. storyline, right? If it's if the series is one one. And the Yankees are going Severino in Game Three, who we're very confident in. And then this rookie comes out there and matches Severino. That could propel the Twins. No, it's it's definitely a factor. It's one of those it's one of those little uh, chess pieces that uh, it'll be interesting to see how Baldelli holds it back and see how long he uses uh, or he holds it back to use this kid or not use this kid. I mean, because he's probably an option out of the bullpen too if certain circumstances work the right way. And we haven't seen what exactly what they're going to throw out there because um, he hasn't announced it yet, but. You know he does have that in his pocket, and uh, and I think that's a wild card. Um, so you say that the Yankees have the yeah. edge in pitching. They're going to go pa- Paxton. I'm very confident in Paxton. He has as long as I the butt stuff is good. As long as you know having the butt. He said his he said he said his butt was feeling good. As his, his, the tight ass is not going to be an issue. He said in his press conference. That's good. That he must have been sitting on one of those donuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, like a heating pad. To making sure that the uh, the muscles were all nice. By the way, I listened to the John Sterling interview. Nice job, by the way. He shot down our plane theory, which I was a little disappointed about. I don't about. think he understood what I was saying, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I kind of slid it in there, and I don't think he really understood what I was getting at. But um, I think if I had a little bit more time to explain it to John, that he would be on my side. So, But he was so very good. Did you, see, did you hear him say, but I'm comfortable. I love that. He's like, John's, <laughs> John's good. John's, John's good. good. The summer, the players of, summer of John. John is, John is comfortable. He's probably just playing like playing solitaire or something like with real cards. Physical. Oh yeah, cards yeah. He's got a he's got a deck plane. of cards. Drinking a scotch. Yeah. 
oh yeah, absolutely. He's got a deck of cards. Somebody might turn the cards for him. Watch watching his stories, which I loved that he called them stories. Um, but no, it's uh. So when I'm looking at the pitching, at the same time, I, you know, the kid. <laughs> oh, you don't want to just talk about the John Sterling interview for the, the next hour. The kid is a wild card, but at the same time, he's also a guy that has. We know nothing about. He also about has. We know say, nothing about under him. his belt. Give me, yeah, give me the the veteran who's got playoff experience, who's got uh, some grittiness, who's got success in the playoffs. And with, with Tanaka, and then we have Severino, who is, you know, not doesn't have all that experience, but he's right now a very, very fresh arm and does have the ability to go out there and be oh, the best course. pitcher in baseball. So, look, I think the, the edge the is question, the though, is not – The question, though, is not who do you trust more, who's going to win that game, Severino or the rookie. That's not the question. The question from a Twins perspective, though, if I'm a Twins fan, I want that rookie sure. starting – I know what Gibson can give me, and it's not going to be good. So give me at least potential to have a good outing. Paxton, I'm going to run through some numbers, uh, more numbers. So collectively, Twins current hitters on uh, against Paxton have 113 plate appearances with a slash line of 217, 257, 396. CJ Crone is the best off of him with a 1,000 OPS in 20 plate appearances. He pitched against the Twins earlier this year, and he left the game with an injury. That was the knee issue that he left after three innings on. Tanaka's going game two, and we're going to spend some time on this because I think this is an interesting it decision. It is an interesting decision. I think so, it's one that we – I mean, I, I, I look when we were doing our predictions and looking at what could match up, this was definitely going to be a factor, uh, the, the fact that Tanaka's splits this year are so drastic at home and away. Much better at home and away. Against the Twins hitters, 108 plate appearances. Yes, much better at home. 108 plate appearances, 192, 222, 346. That's good. Scope has had good success off of him in his career. A 990 OPS and 32 plate appearances from all those at-bats with the the Orioles. He did not face Tanaka, did not face the Twins this year. There was uh, Verducci put out a tweet uh, the other day saying he expects Green to start Game 3 and Tanaka to be behind Green. Obviously, that didn't happen. They're going Tanaka game two. I think another huge decision here is that Tanaka is the one they trust the least out of the three. So why would you start him in game two? It's because they have the day off the next day. And if they have to empty the bullpen, if Tanaka only gives them four innings and they need to go six plus innings out of their bullpen, they can rest everyone the next day. So it's sort of like preparing... It's sort of like they're they're maneuvering their pieces where, okay, we have confidence in Paxton can get a little bit deeper into the game. We have confidence in Severino to get a little bit deeper at in the home, game. At home. Our question our question marks are game two with Tanaka and what the hell is gonna happen in game four. Let's not put those back to back just in case we're really leaning on our bullpen in those games. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, I said at home I was uh uh, I was thinking Tanaka game two. The I, I agree with you. I, I really do. I, I think that's that's one of that's part of the strategy. I think that because of that off day and you have such better numbers with Tanaka at home, but you're also guarding yourself about uh, against the possibility of a home run ball or you know because he's been so 50-50 this year. 
again, we, we keep referring to the, and I keep referring to expecting playoff Tanaka, but if they don't, and he does show what we've seen in 2019, it's a 50-50 shot. And also home runs come in spurts and all of a sudden things go bad fast for Tanaka. So having him in game two and, uh, and, and the ability to, you know, get behind him with a lot of the, uh, the bullpen because you have that day off to rest, I think is a very smart move. Uh, by Boone. I think it's a very smart move. And also, now you're going into Minnesota with really your number one pitcher. I mean, yes, Paxton's been pitching, but Severino's been the guy. Severino, we know, has a fresh arm and is ready to go. He's the guy. So now we're throwing in Minnesota, on the road, um, with potentially their wild card. Well, we're going with with Severino, uh, you know, arguably our best pitcher. So I like like the move. For all those reasons, I like the move. For all those reasons, I agree with it. The one thing i disagree with it on is that if you get to a game five game two starter technically could go but that's out the window with this at this point with the with the amount of innings these these guys are throwing i just don't think that's a thing anymore well at least not not as much of a thing as it used to be when you're looking at some of your horses going you know six seven innings like they used to like the uh uh you know the days of old where these guys are coming out and pitching game one then they go in game four game two and you see, you see it differently now because there are so many bullpen pieces that if there's any trouble, no matter what, they're going to be pulled. So the rest isn't as much of a factor because they're not going to be getting length. Yeah, if you find yourself in a five-game series, though, and your bullpen has already pitched 17 innings in four games or something crazy, then you're going to have to rely on your starters. Multiple starters. Multiple starters. Five. You might have to stack them. They might have to come out of the bullpen. This is, this is exactly so, why you cannot plan for an opener in the goddamn playoffs. I've been saying this all freaking year. You can't plan for it. I, I still think we might get opener I mean, game four. It would be based on circumstance. That's that's a thing based on what's happened. Well, J-Hap's, not, J-Hap's certainly not starting a playoff oh, game. He four. very well could start game four. He's going to be in the bullpen on Friday. Anything. He could absolutely. Yep. He could absolutely be. No, if if he pitches one inning on Friday, he could still be ready for yes. Game Four. But I don't see them starting. I, I don't him. think that I see him pitching. I don't think, but I don't see them starting. Look, him. you're talking about the opener situation with with a guy just pitching in the first inning. If if Hap is if they extend their bullpen through these first three games and Hap really only pitched on Friday night for a couple innings or didn't pitch at all, maybe sprinkled in there. Would not surprise me in the least that he started Game Four with a quick with a uh, with a short leash. Hell yeah, it would be a short leash. He only pitched once against Minnesota this year at Minnesota, or sorry, he pitched twice this year against Minnesota. A total of nine innings, ten hits, ten earned runs. I mean, I know the numbers aren't great, but at the <laughs> same time, good. you're looking at uh, Odorizzi, who also put up a freaking horrible spot against the Yankees, and you're yep. looking at them throwing him out as a Game Two guy. So I, I just when you're could be game could one. Be, could be He's game been one. On a roll. When you're looking, and Barrios would go game two. Who the Yankees have? You seen. just you just kind of referred to that. He's been on a roll. When you're looking at these pitchers, you got to take more stock in what they've done lately. And when I'm looking at what Jay Happ has done lately, I'm not looking at those stats from then. And I I bet Boone isn't either. I guarantee if you asked him this question, he would say, you know what? He was going through some tough times. We feel a lot better about Happ right now, and I would have confidence giving him the ball in a game four start situation. I guarantee he would say that because I do think that that's that's a real thing. And, and people may shit on that completely because of what Happ has done all year long. What have you done for me lately? He's been a lot better. Not knowing, not having done the research because I didn't do the research. I did the research, but I, I just assumed I knew. I was like, oh, the Yankees have a huge edge in bullpen. And that's not the case. 
the numbers are I was shocked. The the Yankees bullpen this year, four oh eight ERA, four one five FIP, seven and a half war, and six hundred and sixty four innings. Might be a little deceiving in the ERA and FIP because there a lot of those innings were filled by Nestor Cortez and some other David Hale, other opener guys. But the Twins bullpen in 573 innings, so a good amount of innings less, put up 7.3 war, almost the same amount of war and almost 100 innings less, with a 417 ERA and a 392 FIP. Their bullpen has actually been really good this year. Yeah, I mean, that's they didn't win 101, 101 games, right? They didn't win 101 games without having a, a you know, weak, very weak parts of their team. I, I don't think you get that far. Well, that was a, that was a weakness of them in the first half. Right, but I'm saying... Which you, they improved on over the season. When you look at overall... Year, the names aren't as impressive. Who cares about names anymore? Like, no, I know, but like that's why. It's like, are you afraid of Taylor Rogers closing a game? No, but You look at good. who the Rays throw out, too. I mean, they have a bunch of guys that people probably can't name, but they're dominant. They've been filthy. So I'm not looking at names. I'm looking at these guys just coming out and... Uh, again, when you said they, they, they started out slowly, but this bullpen has gotten much better over the over the course of the year. And you don't win 101 games having a weak bullpen. You just don't. Um, I, they score a lot of runs. So th- three aspects, yeah. right? Three aspects of the game. Starting pitching, bullpen, and well, four, offense. You gotta look even at if defense, we want to say, even if we want to say that the Yankees have the edge in those areas, it's not like a big edge in any of these areas. No, it's not a big edge, but I, I still think it's an edge in every area. Offense might be... Even, I still, I still like honestly. the Yankees' offense because of the situational hitting. Of course, you like well, the no, Yankees' offense. About, I like the Yankees' offense but when too. You're but looking at, when you're comparing the two, like yes, the, the Twins hit one more home run than us. Great. No, that, that, that means mean, jack shit to me. There's a, but, but what when you're looking at basically the same number of runs yeah, scored too. But when you're looking at situational things, and, and I think that's uh, a big deal. And this goes back to the to the fact that I wish I looked up the high leverage. Um, stats on the twins offense total and i'm afraid to do it because my computer's right now running a little slowly and it will just i'll do it but what i'm looking at is um when you're looking at high leverage situations and i and and i'll look at the twins right now but when you're looking at high leverage situations and and what we know about the yankees and how they've hit with runners in scoring position with two outs too, high leverage big time big time playoff moments yankees have been delivering in those spots and that is why I like I like seeing some of these um, these games that we saw towards the end of the year where they were low scoring Yankees edge out. Like I always want to see a couple of these uh, Yankees win two to one and, and come back at the end, you know, to, to win a game because that means there's a lot of pressure and the Yankees are hitting with with runners in scoring position and they've done that. I think they've put themselves in situations this year to prepare for these types of moments in the playoffs. Um, and I got a lot of confidence in a lot of these guys up and down this lineup. So. Uh, I'm going to look that up right now. You know where to go to yeah, look I'll that up? <laughs> Two hours later. All right, we're going to get to mailbag questions, a bunch of mailbag bags to get to. Quickly, though, so we're not going to be doing mailbag questions for every episode. Uh, as we record every episode for every game the Yankees play, we're not going to be doing mailbag questions. Just timing is not going to work out. The way Scott and I are going to do this is we're going to be recording immediately after the game. We're going to both be at games one and two this weekend. We're bringing mobile microphones and we'll be sitting down in that park across from Yankee Stadium and recording. We don't know what's going to happen, but that's what we're going to do. So, hey, come look for us if you're around the stadium. Game three, obviously, it's in Minnesota. We're not going to be at the game, so we'll record immediately after. We're going to get these podcasts up ASAP. But just so you know, if you do send in mailbag questions or, or anything like that, they won't be on the show. If they're good, I'll save them and we'll do them. In a month, hopefully in a month. 
Did you find it? Keep going. No, keep talking. We're good. I'm, I'm still looking. All right. All right. The, the first one is from first question. Oliver Najox at Oliver Najox on Twitter. That was, that I was did really not good. His last name, right? <laughs> How much will the World Series chances be affected if this damn 2019 Yankees injury bug continues? Are you also afraid that it will raise its very, very ugly head again this month and severely change the outcome of October baseball? Yankees are as healthy as they've been all year right now, which is crazy. Couldn't have come at a better time. But you a little worried about something, something popping up in the playoffs? Are you scarred by all these injuries where it's like, oh, crap, someone's going to turn an ankle. Someone's going to have a tight oblique. Someone's going to have a sore shoulder. No, I'm not, I'm not worried about it, and I'll tell you why. Because we've been dealing with this all year long, and if somebody were to go down, if that, if that, if that were to happen, first of all, the baseball gods – would be cruel to do it after the amount of injuries that we've had. But if somebody were to go down, I'm confident in the next guy. Uh, you know, the Yankees uh, declared next man up as their hashtag for the playoffs. Uh, and it's fitting. It's, it's something that we've all been using all year long because that's why they're in this position. They're not in this position just from their, their superstars and their, their initial starters of the season. That's not why they're there. They are here because guys have come up behind them and have uh, performed in extended periods of time, and they've extended and they've done it in the clutch, and they've done it in different positions that they're normally used to. So, would it suck for sure? I mean, there's no doubt. Nobody wants to lose a guy, but I have confidence in the. But in you the can team. say that about any postseason, even when the team has been healthy all year. It's like, oh, if our number one starter goes down, we're in trouble. Like, duh. Well, right. <laughs> but the thing just, is, that's this, so. this team right now is built for adversity. They are. They're built for adversity. And I love that. Well, certainly more, yeah, certainly more. Like, the Red Sox had a perfect season last year where health-wise, pretty much everything went well. The only injury they really had to overcome was Chris Sale in the second half, but he was healthy in the playoffs, so that was fine for them. Had they lost someone major in the playoffs, maybe that team would have crumbled. We learned this year that they're weak-minded little bitches, so maybe they would have crumbled. The Yankees, though, on the other hand, have gone through a lot this year. If you want to see how much they've gone through, we put up on Bronx Pinstripes Sean, the George's Box intern, made a friggin' awesome hype video that s starts out with all of the injuries. It's in black and white. It's dull. It's sad. It's somber. And then, boom, it turns to color. Tyler Wade slides in like he slides into ladies' DMs on Instagram, and we're off and running. Home run after home run. Game save and catch after game save and catch. It's on all the social media channels. Go check it out. Yeah, that's the, next the question. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful hype video, I gotta say. And it's different. He... You know, I wasn't in love with the music in the beginning. I, I, I told him that. I've told you guys that, too. It Damn, it grew on me. When I, when I saw the home run montage with... Uh, with Setting to the it, drum it beat. It was, it was genius. It was genius. No, if, you're, if you're saying, like, just play a song that's going to get you hyped up, I'm not going to choose that song. But I think for the tone of the video and the tone of the Yankees yeah, season, it, was a, it, was a, it fit the, the context well. You still looking up those stats? We're, we're working on it here. Do you, need, do you need help? Do you need me to tell Not you where to go? Just go to the next mailbag. We're good. Phil is trying to make, make, make my way through this Excel spreadsheet they call Baseball Reference. Oh, you're on Baseball Reference? I would have told you to go to Fangraphs. Philip, with the Yankees pitching staff really kicking it in gear since August 2nd, do you think the ALDS will have any resemblance of that late July matchup in Minnesota? We kind of touched on this already. But, but I'm not going to be shocked if these games are, are, are low scoring. Like, we've seen this happen before where two juggernaut offenses meet, and then it's pitching that dominates the series. I think we will have one game 
where one or both of the offenses go off. But the Yankees are going to, there's going to be a game where it's like one to one in the seventh inning and it's a bullpen game and someone's going to need to get a hit with runners in scoring position. It's going to, it happens every single playoff series. It happens. It would surprise me a lot more if the Yankees were shut down by one of these guys. Barrios is the guy that I, I guess would, would, uh, would be that guy, but it would, it would still surprise me. It really would. It would surprise me. Do not be shocked if Jake Odorizzi pitches well against the Yankees. Like he's, he's not a shitty pitcher. He's had a good year. I know the Yankees have hit him, but he also pitched six shutout innings right. against them. So he's capable I mean, of doing it. It's not like he's a new guy either. We've seen Odorizzi. The guy has had success in the league. It's not like yeah, he's been a yes, good pitcher. He's been a solid guy. So him putting together an outing, uh, a good outing against his team, no, it wouldn't be surprising, but I'm certainly not expecting it. I'm expecting this offense to attack. And I think that it's going to be a, a, a freaking tall task to keep them down, especially at home. What could weather play a part in it? It's going to be, like I said, a little cold Friday and Saturday. No, I night. think it's going to be beautiful. I think it's going to be that benefits pitchers. It's, it's not cold enough to benefit anybody. That's that's not weather. Right. That's for, it's going to be forty five yeah, degrees when on you're Friday playing, night. That is, you don't feel that. that. When you're playing and you're moving around and you're and you're and you're and you're warming up and you're getting all active, you don't feel that. Not as a not as a batter. These guys are going to be. Uh, they'll be feeling great. I think it's going to feel freaking awesome out there. It's going to feel like real playoff baseball. I'm excited for it. Don't be such a bitch. So Wednesday in New York was would have been the American League wild card had the Yankees made it, and it was 90 degrees and humid. And I was just thinking, like, I can't imagine going to a playoff baseball game with it 90 degrees outside. It would have just felt weird, like yeah. you said. Matthew Sterling at Sterlito on Twitter says, umpires, Gary Cedarstrom, he's the chief, uh, crew chief, Lance Barksdale, Eric Cooper, Manny Gonzalez, Adrian Johnson, and Todd Teachner for the series. Which one should Yankees fans keep an eye on to give Boone, Guardi, or the other usual suspects a quick toss after the Yankees versus the umpire season rivalry? So I went deep on I some of these that. umpires. I, uh, I spent more time than I'm willing to admit looking up these umpire records. <laughs> So I'm gonna go through them because I spent time. And let's it up. have. I want, can we can we preface this, please? Um, if we're worried about the umpires, if if this is like a factor in the Yankees and they're looking at who these guys are, what their toss out percentage is, I mean, they probably should know if if any of them have you know any personal experience. Some of these guys you can tell on strike zone yeah. and stuff like that. I think no, that's that is important. important. And for psychotic fans like myself, that's more. I spend an hour. That, I spend yes. an hour. I spend an hour looking this shit up. And now I'm here to tell people about it. Cedarstrom averages five and a half walks given per nine and 16.3 strikeouts per game. Those are pretty average numbers. He's only ejected one person this year. He was the first ejection of 2019, which I found interesting. So he, he got in on the action early. He ejected a pinch hitter early in the season. Here's an interesting thing, though. He When he calls a game from... From home plate umpire, home teams have a record of 15 and 16. Home teams have a losing record. He, uh, so, you know, take take for that what you will. Barksdale, six and, 6.8 walks per nine, 16.3 strikeouts per game. Home teams, a 19 and 11 home record. He didn't eject anyone this year. Cooper, seven walks per game. That's high. 18 strikeouts per game. That's also high. 19 and 11 home record. Two ejections this year. He ejected a manager and a hitting coach. Gonzalez, 6.6 walks per game. 
18 strikeouts per game, 19 and 12 home record, three ejections this year, a manager, a pitcher, and a hitter all got ejected. Johnson, 6.2 walks per nine, work walks per game, 17 strikeouts, 22 and eight home record. That's the best. When Johnson is calling the games, home teams dominate. He didn't eject anyone. Teachner, 6.3 walks per game, 17 strikeouts, 12 and 18 home record. Home teams suck when Teachner's calling the games. And he's ejected three people, two managers, an assistant hitting coach, a poor assistant hitting coach, assistant to the hitting coach, got ejected. So are they in trouble? Is that what you're saying? Boone's got to watch his tongue. No more, no, no hitting uh, bats on the top of the dugout. Look, the, the, uh, the umpires, I really hope that they don't play a part because it's been such a significant uh, storyline this year for just Yankees baseball alone. I mean, it's, we've seen it in other teams, but you know, obviously we're, we're close to this one and, and it's been a major role. It's been a major storyline for the way that this team has gone on. So I hope that it's nothing. I hope that we don't see them. And, and I think most baseball fans want that obviously, because that means the play on the field is being dictated by the players and not the fat guys behind home plate, the guys that are out of shape, leaning on catchers. We don't want those guys to factor into decisions, but they probably will. And there will probably be some ridiculous call from that's sent down uh, to uh, to Chelsea, and and they they come back and and give us an answer that was very clearly obvious the other way. Yeah, that's happened before. I thought the umpiring, the home plate umpire, the strike zone on the National League wild card game was awful, and both sides were complaining. That first that first inning when you're looking at um, Scherzer's walk. And uh, and then home run ball where he got ambushed basically. The first, the, the leadoff guy should have struck out twice. Yep. And then there was a net bat Rendon had later. I think it was Rendon later. In, yeah, was it, it was. Rendon? I don't know who it was, but yeah, it was a high high outside pitch. Like clearly two two of them. Two of them. At least he was consistent on yeah. that pitch. But it was it was agre- it was egregious. That, yes, and it turned and the guy I think ended up getting a hit. But it turned the at-bat from should have been 2-0 to 0-2 oh or 1-2. So huge. You can have huge swings. And these umpires can have huge they – can, they can swing games so much. You're still looking for these stats. I see you. Who cares anymore? Just keep, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find it. It's really hard on my phone. <laughs> All right. Next question from ND at Real underscore Mungo on Twitter. If the Astros are eliminated in the ALDS and the Dodgers don't get to the World Series – Will you be laughing about home field advantage whining? My answer to ND is no. I will not be laughing because in that case, the Yankees will be lucky to have home field advantage if both of those teams, especially the Astros, if the Astros get knocked off by the Devil Rays. The Yankees will be so friggin' lucky. Do you realize how lucky they would be to play the Devil Rays in the ALCS? It would be seven home games. <laughs> it would be a lot of home games because the Yankee, sta- Yankee Stadium would, would absolutely travel down to Tampa. That what they would open up the upper deck in Tampa, just like Oakland opened up the Do you upper think deck for the wild card game. Maybe they wouldn't because of that, because they know that they would flood with Yankee so fans. I, I sarcastically tweeted last night that if you don't, if you block off seats in the regular season, you should have to block off those seats in the playoffs too. If you can't draw in the regular season, you don't deserve to draw in the playoffs. I was I was making a joke sort of, but people got pissed. They thought I was like making some grand take statement. But it is kind of stupid. It is kind of unfair that the Oakland A's had a capacity of like 27,000 all season. 
And then in the wild card game, they had 55,000 people there. I mean, I, I don't care about that. I think that they, um, people want to see playoff baseball. And you don't know whose fans are coming in either. So, there's, like you said, if, if Tampa were to open that up, there would be a ton of Yankees fans. So, it's not like it's giving them an advantage. It would be half, more right. than so half you're Yankees giving, fans. You're giving, think, yeah, there's revenue years. going to that team. But um, honestly, I hope they get more revenue so that they can move the hell out of that ballpark because I'm sick of looking at it, you know, half, the, half of the 19 games that we play them. I hope they move to Montreal so that if the Yankees play them again in the ALCS, we can just take a little flight or a little drive up to Montreal, have ourselves some nice French food, full contact strip clubs, whoa. watch whoa, some whoa, baseball. Whoa, whoa. I've been up there before. I got stopped at the border. Were you carrying anything? Not that I knew of, <laughs> but apparently my good friend, when I was 18 years old going up there, had some, uh, had some stuff uh, stored under the hood. Didn't tell me until after we got Ouch. to the hotel. Do you want to say what was stored? It was just weed, but he had he oh. had a lot of it uh, under the hood at some point of my what an yeah, idiot! Yeah. And it was it was your this, car. So this was we had maybe six people. I think I was 18, 19 years old. We were going up to Montreal, and uh, it was the dead of the winter. I was driving from North Jersey. We stopped at his uh, his parents' house outside Albany somewhere, and um, that's when he that's when he uh, he packed it in. But we had it was my dad's old car, my dad's old like work vehicle. So it was a 1987 Audi Quattro that had like 750,000 miles on it. Like something crazy. Like I think it's some, the odometer stopped. Well, that's, that's an exaggeration. No, no, it's not. The odometer stopped. And I think it, I honestly think we put a, a million uh, miles on that car. Like literally a million miles. It was a tank. Anyway, the, during the car, during the ride, the windshield wipers, the fluid stopped working. And uh, like, I couldn't get fluid out to, to, you know, clean the windshield. And a, it started like snowing like crazy. It was like a blizzard. And you know what happens on the, on the streets with the, the, the snow and the salt and all that crap. You couldn't see a damn thing. I'm hanging out the window with Gatorade. We're throwing Gatorade on the front of the... <laughs> Gatorade. That's the only thing we had. Throwing Gatorade. That has sugar in it too. It that's was gonna, the only that's thing we had like to, coagulate. to liquid on there so that we could see. And then we that's get to the hilarious. border. We get pulled over with like five cars with their hoods up. And we go in, and my, my buddy's sweating his balls off, and I have no idea why. And uh, thank God we got through without them checking our car because uh, we, we made it. We used to go to Montreal a lot because it was only like an hour and a half from UVM. And my, my fraternity would do a, a trip, an annual trip. I had been just on my own too. But one year, we left a pledge in Montreal. And this was in 2007 or eight. So cell phones like were not as common for everybody and especially like international calling was not as common so he had to like go to some public phone and somehow got in touch with like the national fraternity who got in touch with us that we had left a pledge in canada and we had to have guys go back in the morning because we would do a bus trip like overnight bus trip where the bus would drive up at 5 p.m and drive back at 3 a.m these guys had to go up at like 5 a.m. the next morning to pick up this pledge in Canada. Smart. So, Montreal's a fun yeah, place. Yeah, it is a good place. It's, it's where you can go get in trouble when you're under 21. What were we talking about? I don't know. I'm still trying to find these numbers. So um, Just forget it. The, the thing is, when we're, we're looking at uh, the, the attendance, like I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Pack more people in there. I want to see a, a packed ballpark. Um, but it will be interesting. I think when we're looking at these these matchups, like I, I think we should talk about these matchups a little bit before we get out of here. But the the matchups of of what's happening, I think in in Houston uh, and Tampa, like they match up very well. They match up very yeah, the well. Yeah, the rotations, the rotations are set. So it's Verlander, Cole, Grinky, 
And then for the Rays, Glasnow, Snell, and Morton. It, it could be – I think it's going to be a very well-pitched series. And now watch there be like 100 runs scored. But this home field thing, no, I, I, I think that is – if the Yankees have home field advantage throughout, that means the Astros got upset and then the Dodgers got upset. So it's not, that's just lucky. You, you can't say, oh, then like we played it right. No, you should still be going for home field advantage. And just because something happens doesn't mean – like th- that would just be – just because it worked out for the Yankees doesn't mean you made the right decision. I'd be happy it worked out for the Yankees. But I expect the Astros to win. So I expect the Yankees to win as well and have to go to Houston to play the ALCS. That is what I expect to happen. It'll be fortunate if they end up having to play the Rays. We're going to find out, though, if home field advantage was important and how much they should have gone for it. Because if they do end up playing the Astros in the ALCS and losing because they're on the road for the ALCS, people are going to be pissed and they have a right to be pissed. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not trying to get back into this discussion. I just don't think it's as clear cut as that. The, uh, the you're you're just saying that they 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 could have gotten it. And, and how do you how do you know that the Astros could have just kept winning as well? It's just doesn't it doesn't make well, there, any there, sense. It's just they could have tried a, to go out there and keep somebody out there, and somebody could have gotten injured as well. And then now we're, we don't have somebody. Of course, there's of a, course, you can say a that about circumstances. everything. At the end of the day, it's done and moot. It doesn't matter. Just got to play the games in front of us. That's it. That's all we should be worried about. At this point, yeah. But I think we're going to find, like I said, we're going to find out how much home field advantage matters because I think the Astros are just as capable of winning a game at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs as the Yankees are of winning a game in Houston in the playoffs. So people are like, oh, good, good teams, World Series winning teams win road games in the playoffs. Yep. But you can't expect the Yankees to go undefeated at home either. Didn't happen last year. Happened in 2017, but it didn't happen last year. Hey, look, I found the numbers before you did. The, the thing is, I, I, I think that they, uh, they have the ability to do that. And when you're looking at what Houston's doing, too, like you just said, they have the ability to win on the road, too. So I, I just don't think this is going to be as much of a factor because these are two very good teams. Yes, it's something like we're looking at what they can do with left field. They can poke, poke the ball in the air. They're used to it to, um, to get these, these you know, cheap, quote, cheap home runs in left field. But at the same time, the Yankees can do the same damn thing. And the Yankees will be doing it in right field. So will the Astros. I just don't think it's as much of a factor. All right, you I think ready those for pitchers their, are going to be much their, more of a factor. Ready for the Twins' clutch yeah. stats? So two outs with runners in scoring position. They have a 121 OPS plus. Their split OPS plus means they are 21% better with two outs and runners in scoring position than they are normally. And then late and close, they have a 110 split uh, OPS plus. means they're 10% better in those situations than they are normally. Their OPS generally, just general, or let's, I'll give you batting average if you care. Their split, their their slash line with two outs and runners in scoring position is 271, 358, 472. That equals an 830 OPS. It's pretty solid. It doesn't does, it doesn't say anything that we're that they're a uh, a better team with with late and close though a situational no. hitting team like no they're the not better than the Yankees. Better the Yankees. Uh, I'd have to look that up too, but, uh, I mean, it just, it's, it just says the offense is legit. That's what I'm saying. I can tell you this, the, right. uh, the OPS with high leverage situations at June 18th, cause I'm, I'm seeing an article about that for the twins was the highest in baseball history. <laughs> so at, at say it that, again, the OPS with, uh, with high leverage situations, I think with two outs, um, was yeah. the highest in baseball history at that point where they had the best OPS yeah, and it's, in and June it, and it's come down. It's yeah. come down because 
just like DJ LeMay, whose batting average with runners in scoring position has come down. He was hitting 500 on June 18th with runners in scoring position, and he ended up hitting under 400 total for the season because that's what happens in those sorts of situations. But they're clutch. All right. Andrew Campbell. And guy, a couple guys, so from Danny and from Jacob, uh, we have your mailbag questions. We'll get to them. They're more evergreen, though, so we're not going to get to them on this episode. From Andrew Campbell, Aaron Judge took Pete Alonso breaking the home run record in stride in with such grace. It is yet another example of Judge representing the Yankees with the utmost class and dignity. Even as universally loved and talented of a ball player as he is, do you think Judge will ever be the Yankees captain or is it too close to Jeter's tenure for ownership to sign off on that move? If so, how long do you think before he is named captain with an over under being three years from now? Before you answer the captain question, do you give a crap at all that Pete Alonso hit one more home run than Aaron Judge in his rookie year? No, no, no. These are these are records that mean absolutely nothing to me. Was it cool when it happened? Yeah, it was fun. It was cool. I'm glad Judge did it. It was a fun season. I'm glad Judge had it. And I'm sure Mets fans and Pete Alonso had a great time doing this too. I mean, it was all over the place. It was written all over his face, his his body language, everything that he was having a good time. Um I mean, it's crazy how similar of a season he had to – like, he won the home run derby, and he set the rookie home run record. Yeah. He's a good player. He's a good player. It's like, it's like exactly what no, Judge I got did. no problems with the Mets, like, Mets fans, whatever. I kind of like Pete Alonso. I, I have no problems with any of them. It is what it is. Like, the, the teams are different. There's there's some fans that can't stand the Mets. I'm not one of them. I just – I really just don't care. They've never really been a concern to me. Um, if they do well, then great. If they don't, then I don't care either. Uh, but – Pete Alonso looks like a good player. Looks like uh, he's good for that franchise. Good for them. Uh, and I, you know, the fact that Judge said that shouldn't surprise one person on the face of this planet that who knows who Aaron Judge is because he is Derek Jeter, and Derek Jeter would say the same thing. <laughs> Interesting about their two seasons. So Judge had a much better year in 2017 than Alonso did in 2019, despite having one fewer home run. Even though, don't you remember Judge hit a home run that oh, yeah. was like overturned by Reeves? He should have had 53 yeah. home runs as well. But Judge had a 174 WRC+. Plus. Alonzo had a 143. It's a big difference. And Judge had 8.3 war, and Alonzo had 4.8. That's also yeah, a big difference. and the balls weren't juiced. So. Well, they were, but not, not as, as juiced. much. Juiced Slightly less. less juiced. Less juice. Do you think Judge does end up being named Yankees captain yes. at some point? I think... Do you think Judge ends up being named Yankees captain if the Yankees do not win a world series um yeah i mean yeah i think because i think it's going to happen uh i think it's going to happen after an extension so once they extend him depending on where they well, are I, I could see them the first thing that needs to happen yeah but i'm saying once that's happening like it, there's 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 clear cases of, of guys that have been named captain that have not won a world series i mean don mattingly being the last one um he never won a world series yeah. never won a never was in the playoffs until his last year so do you think Judge wants to be named the Yankees yeah, captain? Yeah, sure. I think he would love that honor. I think that that it's a I think it's a very pride prideful thing. I think Judge is that kind of guy, high character guy, um, that would take that on and absolutely relish in it. I think he would be a I think he's the logical choice. Again, it, it, as long as he can stay healthy and on the field and and like and, and they can extend him and and get him to a point where um you know, he's going to be on this team for a long time and I do think that he's a franchise guy and the Yankees don't let franchise guys go. Um I think he's going to be the next captain. Yeah. I agree. All right. So some, uh, just some general questions as the Yankees are about to start the ALDS. I think some things we're going to learn is this, this pitching approach they're taking. We're going to find out 
we're going to find out a lot about it and if it's going to work because the way they're lining things up, they're going to lean on their bullpen. Is there, can a bullpen, their bullpen or any bullpen, sustain a heavy, heavy workload for three consecutive series and still be effective? Because I think that's a, still a big question mark. I have confidence in all of their big guys in the bullpen. But if they have a lot of innings and a lot of days under their belt and it's late in the ALCS or in the World Series, they might not be as effective. So I think we're going to learn about the bullpen and, and how much you can really rely on a bullpen to carry you through a playoffs. I think there's going to be some, if the Yankees are going deep into these playoffs, we're going to see a guy or two that is going to be stepping up to the plate in a, in a, in a situation that's not something we're used to. Uh, a guy that goes out there and throws three to four dominant innings that you would never would have expected it from. Uh, and they just ride him because they needed a, a guy like that. Or you're going to see... It's not going to be the same cast of characters that have to do it. I think for, for a bullpen, first of all, I think it's, it's interesting how they set this first three up because, I mean, you said they're going to lean on their bullpen a lot, but at the same time, I think a lot of people were expecting an opener somewhere in here. Uh, I'd, I'd also say that they're, they're leaning on their starting pitching. And even when you look back at some of these dominant bullpens in the past, like uh, Kansas City Royals, they still had good pitching throughout the playoffs. They're, that they had some but, guys, not their all their starters weren't great, but they had a guy, Cueto was their their guy mostly in that that playoffs, I believe, that you could at least be like, okay, he's gonna get. But us they had, deep-ish. but they also had solid performances. They had solid performances. They didn't have to rely on their bullpen as much as I think people would think. They, there were uh, performances that gave them in the starting pitching uh, a little bit of depth, and I think that's gonna have to happen with the Yankees. Yeah, I agree it's going to have to happen because a team has never won by just li- relying on their bullpen in the playoffs. It's never So happened. I don't think that, um, you know, it's going to be as heavy. I, I do think that Boone is going to show more confidence than a lot of people expect in his, in his starting pitching. I think Paxton, definitely. And, uh, you know, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Tanaka get, had a little bit more rope than I think a lot of people are willing to give him as a fan. Um, I think he's going to have to prove he's it. He's definitely going to have to prove it. But if he looks good, he's I think gonna he's going to have a very quick hook game two. He's going to have a very quick hook game too. But assuming he pitches well, hopefully he pitches well, then maybe as he as they build and if he gets another start, they'll trust him a little more. But but I don't see how you can trust Tanaka. You can't just assume. You can't just trust. Okay, we got it. We're, we're confident in Tanaka tonight. I think he's the question well, right. mark. I, but I three. think that's the thing. Like We're going to see somebody also step up in a situation like, I'm not saying Luis Sessa, but I'm saying a guy like that where they're going to have to pitch you know, X amount of innings, Luis and Sessa. it could be Luis Sessa, and, and, you know, let the Yankees offense try to get back in a game. Um, and, uh, and you know, this this guy all of a sudden and is throwing four four innings, three to four innings of dominant ball while the Yankees are chipping back into it and win something late. Like, I, I could see a situation like that happening that also gives uh, Boone some flexibility because someone is able to give them some depth in a bullpen. You know, what, what David Robertson Sometimes. did um, in 2017 was – was awesome, and it's not something that we any of us expected to happen, but it happened. And they, he kept going back out, and he kept going back out because he was rolling. And did it multiple times yeah. in that playoffs where he pitched uh, more innings than we thought he would. Sometimes a a guy gives you multiple innings in a losing effort, and that actually has a positive Absolutely. impact. Nathan Ovaldi last year in that World Series game against the Dodgers went like seven innings when the Red Sox didn't have anyone else to use. And even though the Red Sox lost the game, it was able to give the bullpen a little bit of rest for the next day. So there are scenarios where Luis Sessa might have to just pitch, pitch and pitch and pitch, 
until he can't pitch anymore. But that could mean the Yankees are going to win the next night. Right. But and it also gives the offense an opportunity to to you know make a move. So I think we're going to see like that. I don't think it's going to be as cut and dry as a lot of people are thinking as far as the way that Boone is going to handle this pitching. I think we're going to see some very interesting things. It could even be a guy that, you know, it's similar to Robertson and that's not a long guy, but uh, a guy that, you know, is a one-inning guy or has been a one-inning guy and two-inning guy tops that maybe is extended a little bit further than that. Who knows? I, I think that's going to, going to happen. We're going to see guys step up. Um, because it happens every year in the playoffs with the teams that move forward and, and go deep. You see, uh, you see unexpected guys that stand up, and I'm ready for it. I'm ready for all of it because I'm, I, I just know that that's going to happen. I think that this team is, is rearing back, ready to go for this. They've been through the fight, and I think every single one of them is ready to run through a wall, and I love that. My final question to you is what is a success for the Yankees? in your mind, what do they have to accomplish this playoffs for this season 2019 to be a success? I mean, it's, it's, it's an impossible question to answer because the only answer that I can possibly think of is to win a World Series. I mean, there's going to be disappointment uh, in, if they don't win a World Series. They have now, right now, as we stand, they are healthy. They're ready to go. They have all of their guys pretty much ready to go for the majority of them. There, there are some guys that are, are not here. But they have a lot of their guys. You, you don't expect every single person to be healthy when you get into the playoffs. They have the majority of their guys. So if they don't win the World Series... Can I ask it I a different way? Can I ask it a different way? Yeah. If they lose in the ALDS to the Twins, season's a failure. Thousand you percent. agree? If they make the ALCS and lose, is it a failure? I mean, to the eyes of most, it would be a failure. But also... I think you're running into, it would be disingenuous to say that the Houston Astros aren't an extremely good team and probably one of the better teams in the last 10 years. When you look at what them on paper and what they've acquired after the deadline, yeah. the fact that they have three dominant starters, two of them that will be in the Cy Young, uh, there's a race for two of them in the Cy Young, and then the third guy is just a, a veteran dude that dominated people forever. Yeah, no, it's it would be a tall task for them to do that. So I don't... No, if they lose to the Astros in the ALCS, I, they would be losing to the better team. I think the Astros are the better team. If you compared each, yeah, they would. They're probably the better team. They are the better team. They're not by a lot. It's close. The Yankees can win that Absolutely. series, but I, but I think the Astros are better. So they would have to, they would have to beat a team that's better than them on right. the road. But I still think it would be a failure if you don't get to the I World mean, Series. Yes, but that's that's just kind of the mentality of what we're doing, right? That's just that's just where we are. How, they've built a team. They've built a team between all of the guys who that have come in, uh, come up from the minors, all of the acquisitions they've made, bringing in the reigning NL MVP last year. That is a move that says win or else. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what they've done. So, not to mention right. they've overcome a lot. When you see what this team has overcome, and now you're looking at the fact that they have a lot of these guys back healthy. Oh. Boom. Yeah, that's a, a good huge, point. It's a no, huge so, jolt. And it's a huge it's well, a huge bump in expectations because what you're looking at now is you're looking at a team that has already weathered the storm. They've weathered a storm that was that was yes. almost too big if you look at it on paper to overcome. It no team should have overcome something like this. But the New York right. Yankees did. Had they finished had they gone through all those inter- injuries and finished with 88 or 90 wins and maybe were fighting for a wild card, you could say, well, any team that went through all that injuries is not going to be as successful as we thought they were going to be. At least they got still competitive. But that's not what happened. They won 103 games. They, 
102. They Look got depth finish. now, man. They got they have an insane amount of depth that is quality. It goes it goes beyond, and and I love that. That's that's one of the that's one of my favorite team my my moments from this this season. The the takeaways from the 2019 season that I'll always remember is 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 how good this team was and how deep they were because it's not. There's no schlebs on this team. You go anybody, anybody who makes this lineup, this postseason roster, you know, don't matter who it is, they're having a damn good season, a damn good season, and they've stepped up in a big moment. So I got a lot of confidence in everybody on the squad. I really do, and I think that when you're going up against a, a Twins team that you should beat, like the talent should overcome, and the Yankees have more talent. And when you, when you see what they've been doing on the pitching side lately, I like it. And I think that that's a good thing to build off of. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to see better starting pitching than everybody expects. Brian Cashman's going to look like a goddamn genius. And we're going to see this team move forward. And we're going to have a dogfight against the Houston Astros uh, in the ALCS. I kind of want it at this point. I'm I, like They're destined to play. I want it. Give me the challenge. We both think the Yankees are going to beat the Twins. We're not going to say in how many games because I, f- I think that's stupid. It's either three, four, or five that they're going to win it in. And if you're wrong, who cares? And if you're right, who cares? It's a one out of three guess. So let's not even do that game like every other show, TV show, person on Twitter, everywhere plays. We think the Yankees are going to win, and we're going to stick it with. Oh, that. I mean, I, any I mean, last I think words? Yankees are going to win three games. I don't know. What the, I don't know what the f you're talking about. You stupid! I, you I, think, I think the Yankees that. are going to win in three games. I think they're going to. I think they're going to come out and dominate. I think the fact that Boone is setting themselves up with Paxton Tanaka, we're going to get playoff Tanaka in game two. We're going to be loud as all hell in right field, and then Severino is going to go up to Minnesota and he's going to dominate. So if the Yankees win in four, you were Correct. not right. If they're winning three. Oh you yeah, were that's, right. That's, that's usually how. Are you going to feel proud of yourself for that prediction that you have like a thirty-three percent chance? I mean, of hitting? I'm not even care. I don't even care about that. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay. That's that's what I think is going to happen. That's, just because we're, that we're is, going back and, and and this team I think has a lot of things to play for right now. A lot of things to play for. So I'm behind it, baby. I'm here. I'm here for it. They have a lot to play for. They have rings to play for, which is some new gear in the fan shop. Right now, we play for rings, baby. You've just uploaded some new t-shirts, hoodies, and hats into the fan shop. Today, this podcast will be out today, so you can get it. 10% off still. October 10 is the code. Go to the fan shop. Use code October 10. You get 10% off your crap. Okay. Any last words, Scott? Yeah, we're going uh, to talk to you after... Game one, every game, from the Bronx in a park. Hopefully our microphone. <laughs> I can't wait to see Talk to you. It's going to be fun. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.